Hey, just past 5 o'clock on a Saturday, Friday evening. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're getting ready for the weekend. It's time to stop and think about some Bible questions. Ask the Preacher. Brought to you by Believer's Fellowship. Ask the Preacher, your host is John Freed. John's out today, but he sent in two, and they are George and Jim. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Ask the Preacher. This is a call-in talk show. We encourage you to call in if you want to call in and ask your questions. It will be answered by some Bible scholars. The phone number is 863-682-1430. And uh, we're going to talk about some prayer today. But before we begin talking about prayer, I want to encourage everybody to do two things. Uh, If you're driving, just take a mental note. If you're not driving and you're listening, look this up real quick on your phone. I want you to go to two websites. The first website is libertycalling.us. Libertycalling.us. That is an event that's coming up on January 1st. Beginning of the year, we're going to start the year out correctly with prayer and saturating Lakeland uh, with the anointing of God. The second website I want you to go to or take mental note is theheartofprayer.com. That is a local ministry here in Polk County uh, that we're going to be interviewing the founder of today, and we're going to be talking about prayer. So libertycalling.us and theheartofprayer.com. But we're going to start talking about prayer. I want to introduce Jim. He's in studio with us today. Jim, introduce yourself. Tell us what you do, what your ministry is, and... Well, I'm, I'm Jim, and uh, my ministry is simply worship and prayer. Uh, for years, I was a uh, um, lead pastor. I was a senior pastor at a church down, down in Fort Lauderdale, and uh, God called me out of the pastorate, and uh, he called me into what I believe to be the most essential ministry for these last days, uh, the ministry of prayer and worship. Right on, right on. And... Uh... We're going to talk a little bit more about that ministry specifically, but first I want to ask some questions to you about prayer and kind of pick your brain about it. And again, folks, we encourage you to call in and if you have questions about prayer or anything else, please do so. But uh, here's some interesting facts about prayer that most people might not know. In the Bible, there are 650 recorded prayers. That's a lot of prayers. So if you did uh, at least one a day, it would fill up a whole year. And if you did two on most days, you'd be able to, to do two a day for almost a whole year. But out of those 650 prayers, there are only 450-ish answered prayers. So people prayed 650 times in the Bible, but we only have recorded 450. It's pretty interesting. Uh, we're going to start off the radio show with a big, a big tough one. What is prayer? That's part number one. And... Why aren't prayers answered sometimes? There's a lot of people who pray, and they feel like the prayers aren't answered. So yeah. let's start talking about, Jim, what are, you, what are your thoughts on what prayer well, is? Just I mean, base prayer, in general, prayer in general is we, uh, human beings, communicating with the spirit realm, getting in touch with the spirit realm. Of course, we want to speak with the Lord Jesus. Uh, but you know there are people who pray to different spirits yeah. other than Jesus. Yeah. Um, but we want to concentrate on the Creator. Uh, we want to uh, pray to him. And I believe that the, the main reason that prayers aren't answered is because people don't understand what prayer is. Uh, you know, God has created us uh, specifically to communicate with him. And in our physical form, 
we, um, we have these uh, senses, feeling, touch, hearing, taste, smell, and nine of those senses in communication receive. And only one of those instruments is used to transmit. But we spend most of our time, so nine times to one, uh, we are designed by the Creator to receive in this communication. But we spend most of our time transmitting. Mm, interesting. So, so people, they don't understand that the Heart of Prayer, which is our website, theheartofprayer.com, the Heart of Prayer is really not bringing our heart before God and pouring it out before God. You know, uh, Jesus told us your Heavenly Father knows what you have need of even before you ask. But really the Heart of Prayer uh, is finding God's heart. And when we can find God's heart, then we can really begin to pray the things he wants us to pray. You know, James tells us we pray and we receive not because we pray amiss. And when I think of that scripture, I think of an archer. You know, when an archer is, is uh, flinging his arrows at the target, it's a big target. It has different circles. Mm -hmm. But his target is that bullseye in the middle. Now, he may hit around that bullseye. But if he doesn't hit the bullseye itself, every one of those arrows is called a miss. And so often we pray, but we're not in the center of God's will. So I think effective prayer is finding the heart of God and praying back to God what he wants us to pray in the first place. Um, often we, we use our prayer life like a grocery list or, or people pray emergency prayers. And there's nothing wrong with asking God for something you want because he does tell us, um, give us this day our daily bread. He does instruct us to ask for those things that we need and to ask in faith for those things that we need. But lots of times we don't know what it is that we need. God knows what we need. So we have to find his heart. Uh, so we have to receive from him in prayer more than we transmit to him. It's, it's interesting. It kind of reminds me of... You know, when we study the Bible, here's real real deep knowledge for you folks. Pay attention. There's something called the law of first mention or the rule of first mention. When something's mentioned for the first time in the Bible, it's usually significant because it sets the tone or the definition for how that object, item, place, person is supposed to be referenced going forward. And the first time we see that God and man are communicating is in the garden. And it says simply that Adam walked in the cool of the day with him. And you kind of assume that they spoke but we don't know what was said. And maybe they just walked together and didn't say anything. Maybe it was just being together uh, and having the relationship and just walking together. Yeah. It was, you know, body communication. It was nonverbal, just spending time. You know, I spend time with my wife or I spend time with my kids and we're not always talking. We're just in the same room, hanging out, might be reading a book or watching a show. And, and there's no verbal communication going on, but we're spending time together and we're building the relationship and we're getting to yeah. know each other better. And that's the second part of prayer that people don't understand. Prayer is the essence of the relationship. You know, we're in this relationship with God through Jesus. And prayer is the essence of that. Uh, if, I mean, women, women are aware of this. Women are really good at this. Should we put a disclaimer? Women don't, don't call don't, in yelling don't, at us. Don't, and we're, <laughs> we're just speaking from experience here. But when my wife gets angry with me, often she'll give me the silent treatment. 
And what the silent mm. treatment says is I'm cutting off the relationship. I cut off the communication. I'm cutting off the relationship. And so communication with God, like you were talking about, you know, said that Moses was a man who talked face to face with God. You know, he had that relationship with him. That communication was constant. Even Jesus said, I don't do anything except that which the Father tells me to do. So Jesus understood that prayer is the essence of that relationship. So how do you how do you build that relationship? If if it's the essence of the relationship, I mean, I, sometimes prayer is really hard for folks because it is such a uh, laundry list. It's a, we get into this mindset of here's what I need, God, go ahead and answer it. And, you know, even if you don't, that's okay, but this is what I need, go ahead and answer it. So in, in your uh, opinion, and, and maybe you have some biblical reference for it, how do we build that relationship? How do you get to where that essence of the relationship, to use that phrase, what do you mean by that? Break it down. we got about one minute. It's, it's quantity time, and then comes quality time. It's the time you spend in the presence of the Lord. His disciples were walking with him almost three years, and they saw that everything Jesus did, the key to his power, the key to his anointing, was this relationship he had with the Father. And so they asked him. They could have asked him many questions. They could have said, teach us how to feed the thousand, uh, teach us how to raise the dead. But the thing that they asked him was, teach us to pray. Mm. And the interesting thing is if you look at the, um, at the Gospels, uh, and you'll see that Jesus' first response to their request to ask them to pray was the Beatitudes. He started teaching them the Beatitudes before he got to what we call the, the Father's uh, or the Lord's Prayer. Very good, very good. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more after the break. We're coming up to a break. Just a reminder, folks, this is a call-in show. The number is 863-682-1430. Ask your questions, get some answers. See you in a little bit. Hey, let's get back to more of Ask the Preacher with your host, John Freed. John's out today, but sitting in is Jim and George. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Just a reminder, the phone number 863-682-1430. If you want to call in and ask your questions, we will be happy to give an answer that is based on the Bible, and it will probably be the right answer. So we're talking about prayer today, and uh, just before the break, we were talking about the essence of of prayer is the relationship. And I want to start out talking about that a little bit more. And, and the example that was last mentioned was the Lord's Prayer and how yeah. before the Lord's Prayer, Jesus told his disciples the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, and, and how to establish yourself. But one thing that I find really interesting about the Lord's Prayer, and I've been looking at this recently, is how selfless prayer really is. You, know, you look at the, the Lord's Prayer and our Father who art in heaven, Okay, so right off the bat, the very first word is ours. It's not about me. It's not my Father who's in heaven. It's our Father. It's community. It's let me put my life, yeah. connect it with your life. He's our Father. Hallowed be the name. You continue on, and every single sentence of that prayer is selfless. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be the name. Thy kingdom come. It's about his kingdom. Thy will be done. His will on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And, I, I, um, and it continues on that way. And I, I find it really interesting. I heard a rabbi once said uh, that holiness, you know, God says, be holy as I'm holy. And, and people often wonder, well, what does that mean? Does it mean to be perfect? Does it mean to be 
And this particular rabbi explained it this way. Holiness, H-O-L-Y, can also be described with the W-H-O-L-E-Y version. Holy, he's holy completely about us. Everything that Yahweh, God does, is for us. It's for our purpose. Uh, He is love. 1 John 4 tells us that. And he tells us that uh, perfect love casts out fear. But what's interesting about love is you cannot have love without self-sacrifice. It's impossible. If you don't have self-sacrifice, no matter what you do, it's selfish. You have to have some level of self-sacrifice. And that's why when God says, be holy as I'm holy, he's commanding us. He's, he's encouraging us to be holy with a W completely about him and about others. And I find that to be incredibly interesting about prayer is that it's selfless. And so what I've been kind of wrestling with and and making a point of lately is when I pray, is it the selfish kind of prayer or is it the selfless prayer? Well, that selflessness is something that's not within us. Um, You know, you had um, mentioned that uh, the relationship is the essence of prayer. It's actually Prayer is the essence of the relationship. And when Jesus taught his disciples prayer, the concepts that he gave them were so revolutionary, uh, especially to these Jewish men who always considered themselves to be servants of God, but they would never consider themselves to be children of God. In fact, when Jesus called himself son of God, it was, uh, you know, it was almost blasphemous to those uh, Pharisees. They wanted to stone him for calling himself the son of God. So when Jesus teaches them, um, pray after this manner, our father, it's, I think maybe they almost put a, to put their hands to their mouth in a hush, you know, our father, it was a, a revolutionary concept to them. It was a change of the relationship. And Jesus was showing us that indeed prayer is the essence of the relationship. Uh, in fact, before he gets in, in the Synoptic Gospels in Matthew and in Luke, uh, when you compare uh, those two uh, scriptures, before Jesus gets to that, our Father, which is actually, it's not a prayer. It's an outline for prayer or a blueprint for prayer that we are to follow. It's so ingenious the way Jesus taught it. Before he gets to that, he gets to the Beatitudes, and he teaches the Beatitudes, and the Beatitudes are, are how our attitude should be. And what Jesus was speaking about was prayer. This is what our attitude should be in the relationship. And so he says, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit. The poor in spirit are are those who understand I'm bankrupt in this relationship. I'm bringing nothing into this. It all comes from God. Ooh, that's good. That's, man, that is revolutionary. And there's... Some traditions, I guess, that come into prayer, and we, we call them traditions, but we're talking about this during the break. Things like amen. Mm-hmm. You know, typically after a prayer, even if you're not a person who grew up in the church and you just saw, mm-hmm. you know, TV versions of prayer or whatever, it, most people know that the way you end prayer, you know, in quotes there, the yeah. way you're supposed to end prayer is with amen. But not many people know why we do that. And I think it's really interesting the way you're bringing up how. Uh, you know, it's the relationship and I bring nothing to it. And it's this, this selflessness, this emptiness to the relationship. But the amen factor actually comes from numbers and it's in numbers uh, chapter five, 
verse 20 and 22, um, such an amazing, amazing chapter because it's actually what Jesus went through on the cross. Um, but in, in Numbers 5, it talks about how if a woman is found unfaithful, she's supposed to go before the high priest and she is given this hiss up this concoction of bitter herbs. And if she is indeed unfaithful to her husband, her belly swells, her thighs give out, her bowels are loosed. And at the end of all this, uh, she says, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to drink this. And it's commanded by God in verse 22 that she should say, amen, amen. And the word literally means let it be or so be it. So be it. But what it, it's a, commandment to do is is giving over your will okay let your examination of me god you, you know i'm i'm accused of these things let the examination happen yeah. and go ahead and let your will be done i'm at your disposal i have nothing of this and so even when we end a prayer you know we, we think that there's these these great grand big dios you know prayers that take an hour long and they're intense but even if it's a simple prayer, like, you know, Father, bless my food that I'm about to eat because, you know, I didn't get a chance to wash my hands or whatever the case is. COVID. Amen. Let it be. We're surrendering our will right. over to him. We're saying, let the examination be done in our lives. And uh, folks, we're up to a break here. I want to remind you the phone number to call in and get your questions answered is 863-682-1430. We're talking about prayer today, and we'll see you right after the break. And let's get back to more of Ask the Preacher with your host, John Freed. Ask the Preacher brought to you by Believers Fellowship Church located in North Lakeland. John's out this week, but sitting in is Jim and George. Welcome back to Ask the Preacher. Just a reminder, the phone number is 863-682-1430 if you want to call in, ask your questions, and have them answered by uh, some Bible scholars. So we're talking about prayer today. And just before the break, we were uh, talking about where amen comes from and how it's a surrender uh, of your will to God's examination in your life. And and we're talking about a bunch of really great things. But right now, I want to ask Jim a couple of questions about the ministry that he heads up. And the, the name of the ministry is Continued Covering House of Prayer. And Jim, can you tell us what that is? Yeah, first of all, um, I want everybody to know that a house of prayer is not a church or an advocate for the church. In fact, our, min our mission statement is um, that we're, we lift the arms of the church and we reach out our hands to the community and we lift our hearts to Jesus. And we lift up the arms of the church much like Aaron and Ur did to uh, Moses uh, when the uh, Amalekites uh, w were coming against them. Um, we lift up the arms of the church uh, when they're weary, uh, when they have needs. And the thing about the house of prayer, it's not a church work. It's a kingdom work. I pastored, uh, you know, it would take me two hours to give my testimony, but I pastored down in Fort Lauderdale for uh, almost 20 years. And a lot of what we did in church, uh, I came to the realization that we were building our own kingdoms instead of seeking God's kingdom. And a lot of things that we did, they were good things that we were doing. They just weren't kingdom things, you know. They were focused mm. and centered um, good ideas we had, things that we wanted to do for Jesus, and we kept missing what Jesus was doing and, and getting involved in what he was doing. And those are the effective things. Those are the things that will last eternity. Well, anyway, I, I got involved in the House of Prayer movement 
um, that began in the uh, mid-80s, went into the 90s. But what happened with the House of Prayer movement, and and, and a lot of people are familiar with uh, these national House of Prayer ministries, uh, the, the thing is they just became another church, and they became another mega church. And uh, they started doing church things and got away from the, the original call, the, the, the kingdom things. Uh, the thing about the house of prayer is we are concentrated uh, solely on prayer and worship, seeking the heart of God. And there's reasons that people should come and participate in the house of prayer. We're not asking people to change their church affiliation. We're not asking them to leave their church. In fact, we, we teach just the opposite. You know, you grow where God has put you and you serve where God has put you. But the house of prayer is a special place. You know, Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, he went there regularly. He prayed in other places. But the Garden of Gethsemane was the place where he really got in contact with his father. And the house of prayer was designed it was given to those who started the House of Prayer. The design of the House of Prayer uh, was given to us by God. And when you walk into that place, it's, it's a special place. It's a, a, a place where you come really instantly almost into contact with the presence of God. Some have even told me that a fear comes over them when they walk into the House of Prayer um, people have told me that there's this fear that comes over them uh, because the, the the presence of his holiness uh, is so thick in that place. That's a tr- why. Um, so why would people go to the house of prayer and, and, and pray there as opposed to just doing the prayer groups at like a church or at, at home? Well, is there, there a significance to? Yeah, there, there's two reasons. You know, for the same reason that Jesus went to the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, it was a place designed by God for Jesus to meet with him. Um, this design of this place uh, is specifically for the ministry of worship and prayer. You know, we are in some crazy days, and I believe that. You don't prayer, say. Yeah, <laughs> and I believe that that um, in these last days, prayer is the most essential ministry for the entire body of Christ, for the kingdom. And people get this idea they want to get into physical shape. Uh, and they want to exercise. And so they, they go out and they buy the best equipment, and they put it in their sun porch. I've never had that idea. No, you've never had that. No. <laughs> but, and they put it in their sun porch, and they have all these great intentions, and they start out with the physical exercise, and it lasts maybe a week or two, and then that expensive piece of machinery that they bought just becomes a coat rack, mm-hmm. and it becomes a, a memorabilia of great intentions. So if you're really serious about getting in shape physically, uh, you join a gym. And at the gym, they have all the equipment there. They have people there that can train you. Uh, they have people there that can encourage you. And their whole, um, the essence of everything they do is physical, getting you physically in shape. Well, the house of prayer is like that. At the house of prayer, um, we have the equipment. We have people there. Um, our only ministry is prayer and worship. And so, you know, people say, well, we have... We have time set aside at church, and we pray at church. And I encourage you, pray at church. And church can set the atmosphere. Uh, uh, churches set the atmosphere for prayer. But understand, 
at churches, you have to set aside time for a prayer meeting because in the busy culture of churches, there are so many other things on the agenda, uh, as it should be. You know, I, I'm not, you know, I'm not decrying what the churches are doing with prayer. I'm just saying that prayer be, simply becomes part of their agenda. It becomes one more thing in all of the things they're doing in their agendas. At the house of prayer, prayer and worship is our only agenda. And so we believe that um, you can uh, enhance the relationship. You can enhance the experience of coming into his presence uh, when you come into that place designed specifically for prayer and worship. Right on. Well, thank you for the information on that. That's awesome. How can people find out more? Yeah, well, it's theheartofprayer.com, right? Heartofprayer.com. We're also on right Facebook. On. Uh, we have a Facebook page, Continue Covering House of Prayer. We also have a Facebook prayer room where people bring their prayer requests. It's, it's called Continue Covering Prayer Line. So if you're on Facebook, you can go to Continue Covering Prayer Line. You can go to Continue Covering House of Prayer. Uh, or you can go to our website, theheartofprayer.com. Find out all the information, you know, where we're located and what hours uh, were opened, and and there's even videos cool. <laughs> there that you can look at. You mentioned the Garden of Gethsemane and Jesus going there to, to pray, and you know one of the things that has again recently stuck out to me as I continue to study prayer and dig deeper into it is the saddest story in the whole Bible, in my opinion, is when Jesus, a week earlier, being pronounced, you know, King of Kings and Hosanna, and the people throwing him. Uh, palm branches in front of him and, and adoring him, and now he's getting ready to go and, and be our sacrificial lamb. He goes to pray, and he invites his best friends, separates them from the rest of his followers, and says, hey, you guys, come pray with me, because mm-hmm. I'm about to go through some horrible stuff. And Jesus is intensely praying, so intensely he's sweating blood. And then he comes back, and he sees his best friends. Mind you, one of these guys is going to be Mary, Jesus' mother. It's going to be her caretaker, her adopted son. Yeah, John. And that's how close the relationship was. And Jesus comes back and he sees them and they're asleep. And I can only imagine, you know, when I read that, the tone, the disappointment, the heartbreak Jesus must yeah. have felt when he says to him, did you guys not even pray with me for an hour? Like yeah. I, you know, I probably would have been, I don't know, maybe Jesus felt just so heartbroken it came out that way. I probably would have been like, are you serious, guys? An hour. That's you couldn't even well, give me an hour? Come on. But Jesus was obviously much more loving than I. Yeah. Well, I think am. it's because <laughs> Jesus may have been disappointed in two things. They didn't understand the urgency of the hour, and they didn't understand that prayer is the essence of the relationship. This, I think this really hurt Jesus' feelings because he wanted them to be in there with them in this relationship he has with the Father, in this communication at his most desperate hour. Uh, you know, Peter had told him uh, just before this, when, when Jesus said, I'm going to uh, be betrayed and I'm going to suffer and die. And Peter said, nah, we're not going to let it happen, Lord. Uh, we're, I'll die with you. And he said, Peter, before the night's over, you're going to deny me three times. And, and all the other disciples said, oh, no, no, we won't deny you. Uh, so they make this pledge of giving their life to Jesus. Yeah, hey, we're here with you, Jesus. Uh, don't you worry. 
And so he asks them simply, come and pray with me. And you're right. He took Peter, James, and John. Uh, they were in his inner circle. He, he was, they were the three he trusted the most with everything. Uh, and he invited them to come into this relationship he had with the Father to plead with the Father, with Jesus. Of course, we know that prayer was, you know, however, not my will, but your will be done. He, well, he said that, amen, you know, um, uh, so be it, God. Um, but he said, if there's any other way, and he was inviting these men to come and experience uh, this richness of this relationship he had with the Father in his most desperate hour. And they were so consumed with, you know, they had just eaten the Passover dinner. Uh, their bellies were filled. They'd had a stressful day. They were physically drained, emotionally drained, and all of that overcame them. That was more important to them than the relationship with Jesus. Ooh, that is heavy. That is heavy. That hits hard. Ouch. Makes me reflect. <laughs> <laughs> that it really drives home, though, the importance of prayer. Yeah. And it's not just the bless this food to our bodies, you know, one time at dinner or even the you know, God help me today with whatever, but but really that quantity and then quality time. And uh, we're about to take a break, folks, but I want to remind you the phone number here to call in and ask your questions is 863-682-1430. This is Ask the Preacher. Call in, give us your questions. We're going to give you some answers. We'll be right back after the break. Final segment coming up for Ask the Preacher, your opportunity to have your Bible questions answered. Sponsored by Believer's Fellowship Church. Ask the Preacher with John Freed. John's out this week, but in are Jim and George. Welcome back, everybody, to Ask the Preacher. Just a reminder, phone number is 863-682-1430 if you have any questions. Uh, just before the break, we were hitting some pretty deep conversation and... and uh, very self-reflective for me, at least, about how uh, at the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus's inner circle, his his best friends, uh, could not even stay awake and and share a, a share in the relationship as Jesus yeah. went before the Father, and um, they missed out on it. And you know, we we're talking during the break amongst each other, and the realization that just like. Peter, James, and, and John, they were stuffed. Their bellies were stuffed from eating well. Yeah. And they just got lackadaisical, and they, they were asleep in a critical hour. Yeah. And, and you phrased it, Jim, in, in such a way. It was, it was very profound. I don't know if you can recapture the articulation that you said, but uh, do you want to expand on that a little bit? Yeah, you know, their, their, their flesh was satisfied, uh, but they had had a stressful day. Their emotions were strained. You know, Jesus had told them that somebody was going to betray them. And they just wanted to, you know, you have a hard day and they just wanted to relax and forget everything. And um, so in Jesus' most desperate hour, uh, they forsook the relationship. Jesus wanted to bring them into that intimate, deep relationship with the Father. And their flesh was more important to them. It's that... And the things of the flesh. It's that love. Yeah. You you can't have love without sacrifice. Yeah. It, literally, it's well, you 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 cannot love unless there's sacrifice. And it's interesting that they weren't able to. They mm. you know, and, and of course you know, there's the saying: the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. But yeah, Jesus uh, Jesus told Peter that. Yeah, and it's just um, interesting though to but, me that they they missed that 
Yeah. Maybe not because of a lack of love, but just the flesh. You the know, stupid flesh got in the way. The fruit of the Spirit is the measure of, of the, the work of the Spirit in us. But our prayer life is a really a measurement of the relationship we have with Jesus. Mm. And the Say deeper, that again. Say that again. This, the fruit of the Spirit is a measure of the work of the Spirit in us. But our prayer life measures our relationship with Jesus, how really intimate it is or maybe isn't. You know, when Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? Peter's response was, Jesus said, do you agape? And, and Peter said, I phileo. He said, yeah, we're good. We're tight, Jesus. We're good. We're bros, you know. Right, phileo Every, being brotherly ev- love Everything's good. Agape being And Jesus asks him again, love. do you love me? What? Because Peter missed it at the Garden of Gethsemane. And then he did, and, and you know, Jesus told him, Satan wants to sift you, Peter, but I'm praying for you that your faith doesn't fail. Uh, Peter missed it at the Garden of Gethsemane, but he got it right. Finally got it right when, when Jesus met them on the shore and made that breakfast for them after his resurrection. He finally stood and said, after three times, he finally stood and said, yes, I agape. I'll, I'll enter into this with you, Jesus. And that's when things changed for Peter the, and, and the relationship deepened, you know. Uh, and, and really that's the essence of the relationship is, is our prayer life. So I would invite people to um, not only call and ask about prayer, but I would invite people uh, to come and experience the prayer room. I mean, it's just a place like that Garden of Gethsemane. And a lot of the church, like Peter, James, and John, a lot of the churches, their flesh is satisfied. Um, uh, their appetites have been satisfied. Uh, they're weary from uh, the weeds that are growing around them in their life, the cares of this world. They're just weary from that. And uh, they miss the opportunity. A lot, of, a lot of the church is falling asleep in this critical hour, you yes. know, in these last yes. days when God is calling us. He's, he's telling us, like he told Peter, Satan wants to sift you. Church, Satan wants to sift you in this critical hour and you're falling asleep, come enter into it with me. And the, the house of prayer is a place for that. Vitally important in these last days to yeah. pray. And yeah, it is easy. You know, we talked last week on this show about uh, how to stand up for what's right and righteousness. And so I encourage you folks, uh, just as Jim said, to continue to have the relationship, to build the relationship, to mentor the relationship between you and Jesus, you and the Father, through prayer. I want to remind you folks to go to libertycalling.us, libertycalling.us. We are going to be praying January 1st um, at Lake Hollingsworth, Munn Park, and at Lake Mirror for the city of Lakeland, for our nation, to uh, pray for our leaders, our pastors. Go to libertycalling.us to find out more information. Go to Continued Covering uh, House of Prayer on Facebook. Go to theheartofprayer.com. Thank you for having us. This was Ask the Preacher with George and Jim. We hope to see you next week. Call in. We'll answer any questions that you might have. Have a good weekend, folks. Robert.